grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. lesson for this 12th Sunday after Pentecost is found in the book of 1st Kings chapter 19 beginning at the third verse. This is the account of Elijah who thought he was the only believer left in all, in all of Israel yet the Lord has still purpose for him and reminds him he is not the only one left. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. There he sat down under a broom tree where he prayed that he would die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay down and went to sleep under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. Then he looked around, and near his head there was a loaf of bread, baking on coals, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, because the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Then, with the strength gained from that food, he walked for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord suddenly came to him, saying, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies, but the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking to take my life. Then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is passing by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains and shattered rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire there was a soft, whispering voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Then a voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies, but the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the wilderness of Damascus. When you get there, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You will also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. 
Whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But I have preserved in Israel 7,000 whose knees have not bent to Baal and whose lips have not kissed him. This is the word of our Lord. The epistle reading is Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at the 30th verse. The Apostle Paul writes, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of every kind of bitterness, rage, anger, quarreling, and slander, along with every kind of malice. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven us. Therefore, be imitators of God as his dearly loved children, and walk in love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of our God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 41st verse. So the Jews started grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They asked, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? So how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. I am not saying that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who was from God. He is the one who has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that anyone may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word for consideration this morning is the epistle reading, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 30. I read again the last verse here. Paul writes to the Ephesians, the Holy Spirit through inspiration, through Paul, writes also to us, and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of our God. 
Dear fellow redeemed, sons and daughters of God Most High, brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The English language has one word for it. The Greek language has many words for it. And sadly, I think we who speak English are a little bit poorer for it. And the word is love. It's sometimes difficult to understand what does a person mean when they say, I love you. What's the context? The Greek language has many specific words for love. One of them is Adelphia, which is more of a brotherly love, which we get the, the Pennsylvania town Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. I can say to my brother, who lives in Phoenix, I love you. But that has a different meaning than when I say it to my wife. Of course, right? We could understand that from the context. Well, at least we would hope I mean something different, right? Hopefully so. But it's the same word, right? The same four letters. How do we understand that? We understand it from context. The Greek has very different words for love. Love between a husband and wife. Love between family members. Well, in this section of God's word, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is using that very special word that we find often in Scripture, and that is agape, the noun, and agapo, the verb related to it, speaking of that Godly love. And when scripture speaks of love, it's not just a fuzzy feeling. Oh, I love you. That warm, fuzzy feeling that maybe teenagers or young adults feel and they, they don't quite know what it means. No, love in scripture is love in action. It's love doing something. It's not just a feeling. It's not a warm, fuzzy. It's love doing something. And here the Apostle Paul says, walk in love just as Christ loved us. So what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in love? And, and Paul doesn't mean just walk from point A to point B. He doesn't mean just make a journey in love or in a loving manner. The verb he uses there means to walk around. It means live your daily life in everything you do. <clears throat> whether it's having time with your family, whether it's at work, whether it's your leisure time, your daily walking around, whatever you're doing, you're living your life, do it in love in that sphere of love, in that loving activity, not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but in love, in loving activity, doing this in acts of love. And that agape love is a sacrificial love. It's a, a love that doesn't expect anything back. It's not a, well, I'll love you, because you loved me, or I'll love you if I'm going to get something back from you. 
It's not a two-way love. It's a love that says, I'm going to love you unconditionally. I'm going to do something unconditionally. Whether or not you love me back, even if you hate me. Because sometimes in our daily lives, don't we come across people that don't treat us very well? You know, the old saying, and sometimes we say it in jest, no good deed goes unpunished. I'm sure you've heard that. Yet the Apostle Paul doesn't really even make mention of it. Earlier in this section, we're going to talk about this. He's going to say, don't let those type of things set you back. But walk around in your daily life in love, in these loving activities. And what's the example, and what's the impetus, and what's the reason for us to do this. He says, just as Christ loved us. And it's not only the example, but it's the reason why we can do this. Our sinful nature, that old Adam in us, which human beings have had, since those dreadful days in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God and break his one commandment and bring sin into the world, that sinful nature which is in all of us cringes at the statement of Paul that says, walk in love. No, our sinful nature says, get even. That person hurt me, I'm going to hurt him back, and maybe I'll even hurt him back a little bit more, so next time, don't think twice about trying to hurt me. Sure, many of us have had that temptation of thought, right? That's the world's way of thinking, isn't it? Get even plus. <clears throat> Take the upper hand. Get revenge. Come out on top. But that's not what Christ did. Paul says, just as Christ loved us. What did we do for Jesus? Well, we sinned. We broke God's commands. A quick look at the Ten Commandments in the shiny mirror, crystal clear mirror of God's law. We have to admit, broke many, if not all of them, multiple times. It's not even 10 o'clock in the morning yet, and I'm sure we've already broken many of them, haven't we? Not to mention yesterday and the week before and the years before that. What have we done for Jesus? Track record's pretty spotty. Yet what did Christ do for us? He loved us. It says in Scripture that Jesus Christ was crucified from before the beginning of the world. God already had in place a plan to save us, to save all of humanity in Christ Jesus. And that plan is the cross. And that sacrifice, Paul goes on and says, gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's the love. Jesus never sinned. We know that. We know how he kept God's law perfectly. He did everything God demanded of him in our place. 
and yet gave himself on a cross as a sacrifice to God in our place, which we could never do, as true man, living the life we could never live, but yet as true God, his sacrifice counting for all in our place, and then rising again on the third day, showing that sacrifice is complete and is acceptable to God. And why? Not because he had to. He didn't do it because, oh, you know, I, I got to do this for the people. The Father says I have to do it, so here we go. I got to do it. Didn't do it grudgingly. He did it out of love. Why? Out of love for each and every one of us. Yes, all humanity. But we're not lost in that. We're not just another face in the crowd. Jesus knows each and every one of you and died for each and every one of you and rose for each and every one of you individually as well. He did it because he loves each and every one of you as well. And as a result, he has sent the Holy Spirit into our lives through word and sacrament of, the, of baptism and the Lord's Supper to strengthen us, to give us faith, to continue to renew that faith, that we might go forward and live those lives of love which God desires. Not that we earn salvation, not that we have to live so much in love so that we can earn God's favor and earn salvation. It's already been won for us. It's a done deal. But we do so out of thankful love. Again, love in action. But what does Paul continue to say at the beginning of this section? He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If you ever watched any medieval dramas, or even think back, you remember when Jesus' body was taken down from the cross and placed in the tomb, and Pilate had the tomb sealed with his ring to make sure that that tomb stayed secure, and it was, it was sealed. It's, it's a way of saying, nope, this has got my, my signet ring sealed in it, sealed in wax. I mean, think of the medieval dramas that Somebody, the king sends a letter and he folds it and he puts wax on it and seals it with a ring. This has got the stamp on it. This is sealed. This is secure. This is, this is guaranteed. That's what, the, that's what the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is saying here. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee of our salvation. But Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Is it possible for us to walk away? Is it possible for us to say, not today, not this week, not this month, I'm not in a very churchy mood right now, I think I'd rather do something else, I think, I think I'd rather do something else than, than have something to do with the Lord. Is it, is it possible for us to just ignore that seal or, or even, even heaven help us break that seal 
and just do away with the salvation that the Lord has, has won for us? Can we walk away from the salvation that God has won for us? Sadly, yes, we can. And Paul warns us against that. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit still come to us in word and sacrament? Yes, he does. See, the Lord doesn't give up on us. Just like last Sunday we heard, Jesus kept talking to the people who kept wanting a bread king and they didn't get it. And he kept saying, no, 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 no. Stop thinking about the earthly bread. I am the bread of life. I'm the one who gives you eternal salvation. Stop thinking about your stomachs and start thinking about heaven. Jesus keeps coming to us through word and sacrament, through, through, through the word, through the Lord's Supper. He keeps coming to us. He keeps refreshing us. He keeps coming back to us. But Paul warns us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We do have warnings from elsewhere in Scripture. When we were young, we went to Sunday school. We learned about the ten plagues of Egypt. Remember those? And Pharaoh was there. The first five plagues... Instead of Pharaoh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then the sixth plague on, it said the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's a scary thing. The first five plagues, the Lord was trying to reach out to Pharaoh. Trying to reach out to Pharaoh, trying to get him to see, hey, we mean business here. Pharaoh, I'm giving you I'm giving you Moses. I'm giving you my word. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit through the word. You keep rejecting it. I'm keeping coming to you. After the fifth time, what did the Lord do? The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's a warning. And the Apostle Paul here is saying, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Keep coming back to the word. Stop resisting. If at times you find yourself in that Paul is giving us a, a warning. Don't do that. And why does he do it? Not, not as somebody angry. Not as somebody yelling at us because he's angry, but as a loving, loving apostle of God saying, please don't do that. Continue in the word of God. And as you, as, as you do that, he says, he says also that, in an explanation that he says, get rid of every kind of bitterness, rage, anger, quarreling, and slander, along with every kind of malice. All these things are contrary to walking in love. Is it easy to fall into those sins? It is. We get tempted in every type of, every type of way out there in the world, at work, at home, in our leisure time. The world says, get, get angry. Be bitter. Things aren't going your way. Things aren't going the way you think or I think they ought to be going. Well, that's not fair. I just fall into bitterness. People don't think the way I think. I'm going to quarrel with them. I'm going to get mad with them. I'm really going to get mad. I'm going to get myself into a rage. It's so easy to do. And Satan loves that. 
Because when we're doing that, we're walking away from the Lord. And Satan loves that because he hates the fact that we have salvation. But what does Paul say, rather? He says, instead, on the other side, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven us. Well, that's contrary to what the world says. The world says, get even, and God is saying, forgive one another. And that's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, but, but what, what if they're not asking for forgiveness? It doesn't say anything about that, does it? Paul doesn't say, wait for them to come to you for forgiveness. It says, forgive them. Forgive them how? What's, what's, the, what's the template for that? As God in Christ has forgiven us. Who moved first? Who did something first? Did God wait for us to say, Lord, forgive me? And then he said, okay, now I'll send Christ as your Savior. Nope. God moved first. He did so in love. That's the template. Is this tough to do? Yes, it is. Are we on our own? Do we have to fight this good fight on our own? Do we have to go forth in this world on our own? No, we do not. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. We have faith in Christ. We have the means of grace. Today we have the Lord's Supper, and the Lord works through that. The Lord gives us his Holy Spirit to strengthen us. We have the Word of God here at Salem, in our homes, and the Holy Spirit works in that to strengthen us in this fight. We do fight that good fight. It is a struggle. That old Adam in us is always going to be there. That sinful nature in us is always going to be there. The temptation is real. Paul, he doesn't say, hey, this is going to be an easy walk. He knows how difficult it was. The Lord knows how difficult it is for us, but he doesn't leave us alone. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as his dearly loved children. We are children of God. Do we sin? Yes. Do we sometimes disappoint our Lord who looks down upon our sins and says we've done wrong? Yes. Does that mean he's no longer our father? Does he forgive us our sins? Yes, you heard it earlier in the service. I proclaim to you the forgiveness of sins, and that's not me saying it. That's the word of the Lord saying it. That's the message of God proclaimed to you. I did the words, but that's the message of God forgiving you your sins. You are dearly loved children of God, and as dearly loved children of God, continue to walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself as that sacrifice. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but dwell in the word of God and in the sacraments. Amen. And may the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev L-U-T-H-E-R-A-N dot O-R-G. May God bless you today and every day.